miserable little bag of puke. Nag, 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 nag. But unlike some people, I have a heart, goddammit. You're listening to the dirtiest motherfucker in Texas. Let me clear my throat! On Fat Guy Loves Cake. Hey everybody, welcome to Fat Guy Loves Cake. This is Joey, and it is January the 3rd, 2022. Happy New Year. This is the first show of the new year, and the new schedule, like I told you guys last episode, I will be doing shows on Monday, Wednesday, Friday from now on, bright and early, post them the night before, so when you're driving to work, you can turn them on, or listen to them later in the day, when you're at the gym, like that fat motherfucker Aaron. So, I hope everybody had a great weekend. And a great new year. I did nothing. I slept. I was absolutely wiped from work all week. Long hours, no sleep, total insomnia. And I was just glad to crawl into bed. And I had some of the craziest nightmares. Anyway, I don't know if it's cold where you are, but where I am, which is somewhere in Texas, it's cold. And where I live, it's not ever cold. I mean, it gets cold like one or two days out of the year, but that's it. It's warm. It's always warm. And that's the way I like it. I'm a warm creature. And right now, it's like 35 degrees. Before I even started recording the show, I had to, I'm had i like wrapped in a huge comforter. And then I've got another comforter around my shoulders. I've got my Chicago PD beanie on. And it's windy. And anyone who is not from Texas is probably like, what a pussy. Because, yeah, it... This is cold to me. I'm sorry, okay? I didn't grow up in Alberta. I don't uh, I don't have any memories of throwing snowballs and building snowmen. My entire childhood, it snowed twice in Houston, Texas. And it didn't stay on the ground long enough to even snow. I couldn't accumulate enough snow to make a snowball. It was like, like a little tiny snow marble. Like, take this, eh! Did go to the skating rink for one shift, but there just wasn't a turnout, which is to be expected. New Year's, so went home early. I watched the Cowboys play the Cardinals earlier. The Cowboys looked like poo-poo, and that really upsets me because they are such a good team, and they really should have won that game, and it's going to make a big difference in the playoffs. And for any of you who are Cowboys fans, this was an upsetting loss. Dallas did not look like Dallas should have looked. But this is not a sports show, and I am not going to get into it. Unless the Cowboys do what the Cowboys do off the field, which is commit crimes and nail prostitutes and get caught with drugs, then I'm probably not going to talk about it too much. So let me move on to the most important item of the day, of the rest of your life, and that is we lost the most fabulous, beautiful, funny, surprisingly foul-mouthed, amazing national treasure right before this horrible year ended. And that was Mrs. Betty White. I know this is not news to anyone with a pulse. Everyone loved Betty White, black and white alike. Everyone loved this woman. And I can confirm this because I worked with like 90% black women and they were all really upset when Betty White died. Now, do you think there is another white woman on the face of the fucking earth that any African-American women would ever care when they passed but Betty White? Who the fuck could you ever say that about? Now, Betty White, I understand, like, millennials may not know. It may not have an impact on millennials like it does on the rest of us. But this is a woman whose career spanned so many decades that, like, octogenarians can remember her from childhood. Now, my parents would remember her from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Never saw it. 
I remember her sort of from the Golden Girls, but especially from reruns of the Golden Girls. I mean, who doesn't remember Betty White on the Golden Girls? But my favorite, favorite memory of Betty White is I'm going to share with you is she was on one of my all-time favorite shows, uh, Community. Community is a show about a study group, seven people in a study group in a community college. It stars a lot of people who went on to be super-duper famous afterwards. It's got Joel McHale. Well, he was already famous. Joel McHale is the lead character. Uh, Jillian Jacobs is one. Danny Pudi, uh, Yvette Nicole Brown, uh, Allison Brie, um, Chevy Chase, who's a comic legend, Donald Glover. You know, you might know him as, uh, what's his rap name? Um, Childish Gambino had a killer track come out called This Is America with like the most amazing video. That song is so infectious. Uh, Ken Jong is on the show. You might know him as uh, Dr. Ken. He's been in a million things. Uh, anyway, a dynamic. Oh, uh, Jim, Jim Rash. How could I forget Jim Rash? Uh, is the Dean, Dean Pelton. Anyway, this, this, this is just, this is the main cast that I just listed. This is like almost the entire series have all these people. Donald Glover leaves near the end, and Chevy Chase leaves after about midway. But otherwise, this is your core group. And this is one of the probably most underrated comedies of all time. After the first amazing season of the show, season two, episode one, starts off with Betty White as a professor of anthropology. And it is a performance that you just must see to believe. This woman... <laughs> She starts off the episode. She starts off the episode, and she's talking about what do you think anthropology is, and no one's really got an answer. And she's holding this like tiki cup, this wooden tiki cup with a straw, and she's sipping on it while she's drinking. And she starts talking about uh, the mahi mahi believe that drinking your own urine is the secret to longevity, which is a, a tongue in cheek joke at Betty White as it is because she's old. And when this show came out, uh, let me see, that episode was 2010. Okay, so this was 11 years ago. Okay, so she was uh, 88. Okay, so she's still wasn't any spring chicken. And she's sipping, you know, and it's making that sound like when, you, when you're running out of drink. And she keeps offering it to the students. And she's like, no, no one wants any of my urine? Okay, more for me. <laughs> this is Betty White! <laughs> but anyway, so she... She's doing the class, and the whole episode is, it's got another story arc that I don't need to tell you about, but their assignment for this class, when it comes back around to the end of the episode, she's given them seven weapons, and she asked the class to decide which one of them is the strongest. And, you know, it's like a, like a blowgun, and a, a sickle, and a bow and arrow, you know, like all these different weapons that are dangerous, and she wants to know which one is the deadliest. And there's an arc in the show where uh, Joel McHale and Jillian Jacobs are having like a love story thing where they, but they're mad at each other and because he broke her trust. And so he ends up going up and, you know, Betty White says, who wants to do their report? Joel McHale is like, I'll go. And he gets in front of the class and he says, professor, the answer is none of these weapons. So actually the strongest weapon is trust. And uh, he goes on this long speech about not betraying people and all this, and everyone's happy, and Jillian Jacobs is like, got the forgiving look in her eyes. 
And then Betty White goes, well, that's a very great answer, Mr. Winger. His name's Jeff Winger, the character. She goes, that's a very great answer, Mr. Winger. Now, the answer is actually all seven. And so she takes the weapons and she makes this like massive wooden fucking archaic gun out of it. She goes, <laughs> she shoulders it, points it at Jeff, and she says, Now you go ahead and you use trust to defend yourself while I shoot you with this. And she starts, just, she blows something out at him and he gets hit in the neck and she's shooting him and all kinds of shit's flying out from Betty White. Joel McHale gets knocked out. The camera is showing his point of view, and he's looking up, and he's all hazy. And uh, Chevy Chase says, he's passing out, and he grabs the tiki cup full of urine and throws it in his face. (laughs) And the best line in the whole episode was when Joel McHale slash Jeff Winger asks to go up and do his presentation in front of the class. This is what Betty White says. She says, I don't know, Mr. Winger. The last time I let you speak in front of the class, I got what the mahi-mahi like to call dirt-roaded. <laughs> Betty White. Betty White. Oh, you beautiful, beautiful human being. Oh, my God. She used to make me laugh so much with her dim-wittedness, her Saint Olaf character. How she'd tell all those stories that were so stupid. I bet the uh, I bet the stream on Golden Girls. I actually turned on Hulu today to watch some stuff, and the first thing that came up was Golden Girls, and it occurred to me that whoever had the rights to that show, when she died, is probably making so much money right now. I mean, this is can you imagine the internet's gonna be like catching on fire, like the minute she died. I mean, everything had to have gone into overtime, and and just like I mean, we're talking about like. This is like the equivalent of the Queen of England passing away. Well, at least to the English, anyway. Thank you for so many years of making me laugh as a child and as an adult physically. You were truly the best. So, to Betty White, thank you for being a friend. Okay, so what do I have to talk about this week? Um, yeah, so... I had this television, this Insignia, 55-inch Insignia television that I've had for just a couple years, and I broke it. I was actually building a shelf for my cats, and uh, I put, I, I, I built the shelf, and then I got the little thingies that are shaped like L's that you put, you know, brackets or whatever, and I was, I was using my stud finder so I could find the place next to my bed where I could put this, because I, I knew... It would be a great place for the cats to sleep. And I somehow, I dropped it, and it made this, like, absolute perfect bounce on my mattress. And the L bracket just jammed right into the almost center of my television. And, of course, you know, that's it. Game over. Fucking $600 television. I'm like, fucking, you know. And I I actually wasn't really that mad about it because I, I wanted to get a bigger one because... I don't know, once I used to be content with a 32-inch television, but like once you get once you go like 50 inches or bigger, there's just no coming back ever again. So I just I was like fuck it, you know, I, I knew the price on the one I had already was going to be significantly lower. So not only was I able to increase the size of my television, I was able to get it for even cheaper than the one I was getting rid of. So, I'm at 65 inches now. Fucking awesome. Massive television. 
looks incredible when I play the Xbox. No regrets. And I took the broken one. Now, mind you, the screen on the broken one, it still fully works, okay? There's just a huge spider web on it, okay? But you know how these TVs are. Like, if they break, that's it. Don't, you know, fixing it is just the same as buying a new one. There's no point. You know, you can call, hey, Best Buy. No, no, because they'll just order a new TV. They'll keep the frame, and everything else will get replaced. So you are buying a new TV. So I, I still have the box. I take the TV. I take it apart. You know, I take the feet off of it. I put it in the box with the remote, with the instructions, with the feet, with the screws. And I put it out in front of my house. And I take a Sharpie and I write real big, free TV, broken screen, still works fine. And I put it on the curb. I took one of my city-issued trash cans and I propped it up against it. And I left it. Now, here where I live... Anything you leave on the curb, like, goes fucking super quick. Like, if you're mowing the lawn and you take a break for five minutes, there's a good chance your lawnmower will get picked up. Not because they're thieves, but because it's like a unwritten rule here. If it's on the if it's on the curb, it's public. So be careful. If you're, like, loading your car, keep an eye on what, if you're setting something down or you're unloading. Because if it's worth... You know, if it's a valuable fine, there are people that drive around in pickup trucks, day in and day out in this town, looking for treasure trash. Well, that TV, I propped it up and I set it out on the curb, and it stayed there for an entire week. No one picked it up. Now, mind you, it's Christmas time, so maybe I didn't have the usual. I wasn't watching it to see if there were any looky-loos, but it was there for an entire week, and I was like, what the hell, man? And so, on Thursdays, we have... Thursdays is my trash day, and it's also, there's two trash trucks that come by. One with a mechanical arm that picks up the city cans, and one with a guy on the back who picks up your own personal trash cans of, like, sticks and limbs and logs, stuff like that. See, I cut a whole bunch of crap down in the back of my house, and I have slowly been getting rid of it, because you can only, like, you can fill the trash can up, but that's it. Like, if I take all of that crap and I put it out in front of my yard, they won't pick it up. I have to, like, special order that. But if I do it one can a week... You know, then I'm just picking away at it. I don't cause anybody any trouble. So Thursday, I've got my trash out, and I've got my one can full of branches. And late Thursday night, I realize that the TV's gone, but my fucking trash isn't. So I get on my security camera, and I watch, I review the video. I'm going flipping through the little, I'm flipping through the thumbnails, and I'm looking, because I, I can see the TV in the thumbnail. And I'm waiting until I see that it's gone. And then I back up one, okay, 4.50 p.m., and I'm watching the video, and here comes the garbage men. And they drive right past my trash can, down to the end of the street, and then stop. And then they back up to my house. Both of them get out of the truck. They load up my television, and they don't pick up my fucking trash. I'm like, what? Like, you motherfuckers. Like, I gave you a... Yeah, and I could have been a freaking caring about it and called the city and been like, oh, look, I got video, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not like that. That's not me. I'm just gonna leave it alone. It's Christmas. Oh, hell, it's not even worth getting upset about it, no matter what. Now, if they don't pick it up next week, I'll just have a man-to-man -man with them. I don't need to call their bosses. I'll go out there and I'll put it in the fucking road. I'll stand in front of it. But, uh, yeah. Those trash men got a little too excited about the 55-inch television they were getting gratis that they forgot about my twigs. So I thought that was funny. That one shift, this is funny, that, that one shift that I worked 
this weekend at the skating rink. I the one shift I worked was was it wasn't as busy as usual, but there were kids there. There was there was a decent crowd. The one shift that I didn't work was the one I was talking about. Like I went and I worked like an hour, and then my boss was like, yeah, "Just you can go if you want to." And I'm like, "Thank you, I'm tired." But the Friday night shift, plenty of kids were there when I pulled up. You know, in you know on my scooter. Like I've told my listeners before, I have a scooter. It has no exhaust. It is really, really loud. I like it that way. It's mean sounding, man. I want it to sound mean. It's really way too loud. It, like, it makes so much fucking noise. You can hear me coming from miles. When I park at the skating rink, I park up right, literally right to the left of the front door. There's a, there's a patio with an awning. And there's a space to the left of the front door that is exactly as long as my scooter that I lean it up against the bricks. And, the, and on this awning which is like, I don't know, 20 feet out by like 100 feet wide. The kids are always just hanging out. And especially because of that awning, it's got a real, uh, it's got an awesome reverb sound to it. You know, like a like a concrete uh, gym with walls. It's got that, that reverb sound to it, real wet, if, if you know the lingo. So as I'm leaving, there's all these kids out there. And they're like right by my bike. They're, all, they're practically on my bike. All these kids standing around, they're sitting around on the awning, and I warn them, you know, I say, hey, guys, like, they're all, blah, 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 you know, chatting with each other, chatting with each other, looking at their phones, fucking talking. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I don't remember swearing as much as children do nowadays. Maybe I did, you know, to be cool, but man, these kids, it's like every other word. They're like, fucking, 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 fucking. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. I, I try to warn these kids. I know how loud this bike is. It's loud for me, and I'm on it. The sound isn't so bad for me because it's blowing down and out. Okay? Now, so let me explain to you again if you don't remember me talking about this. Okay, I, there's a hole where the exhaust pipe connects to the bottom of the scooter. It's about the size of a softball. Okay? Normally, if the muffler and the, the huge tailpipe were connected, the exhaust would blow down and then curve up and to the side through the muffler. Now... It just blows completely unfiltered. In a combustion engine, you have pistons that are banging out gasoline and causing mini explosions. And those mini explosions come out through that hole, and then they go through the muffler like a silencer on a gun. So there is no silencer, and it's loud. It's loud. And I tell these kids, I say, hey, guys, I go, you, you know, I'm pointing to my ears. Hey, guys, look, hey, you're going to probably want to plug your ears. This is going to be really loud. They ignore me. They're just on their phone. Oh, whatever, fucking dude. Fuck, fucking whatever, dude, bro. Fucking, fucking, fucking. And I'm like, guys, hey, you know, look, look, pay attention to me. I was like, you either need to back up or cover your ears. These kids are sitting. They're like four feet sitting Indian style on the ground from where I am. And I'm not going to walk my bike out past these children. Because they've been warned. And I'm like, okay. Put the key in the ignition. Turn switch on. I start it up. And of course it goes, And these kids, like, (laughs) you know, like in a movie when there's an explosion and everyone's looking at the explosion, there's like a bright flash of light and everyone's hair blows backwards. That's like 20 kids simultaneously no bullshit. Their hair all goes blowing back from my bike, firing up. And they all scatter 
It was incredible. Like little roaches scattered with running. My delicate little ears! <laughs> I warned you, you little bastards! <laughs> I, I told him. I told him. I did. Uh, so the one time I got out and did exercise this weekend, I have a dog. I have several dogs, actually, but I have one in particular that I call my own. The rest I do not consider mine. I consider them rescues, and I fucking hate them. My dog is a Bassador. She is literally half Basset Hound and half Labrador. I have papers and everything. Now, if you're wondering what that looks like, yes, it looks really fucking weird. Okay, it's like, um, like imagine a Labrador body and face, and then with Basset Hound ears and then tiny little legs. Her legs are maybe six inches long. It looks like... It looks like a Labrador and a weenie dog had a child. She looks like a black Twinkie. She's all black. It, she's just got remarkably short legs. And when I walk her, children in the neighborhood constantly laugh at her. If the dog could understand, her feelings would be hurt. But she's so stupid and does not. So she's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm goofy. You know, <laughs> her name's Jeannie. She's a sweet dog, but she's very disobedient. She's not, she doesn't bite, she doesn't act up, she just, I mean, excuse me, yes, she very much acts up. She's like this magician, like no matter how many holes I plug in the backyard, she still finds a way out. Somehow this giant fat-ass dog manages to squish her body into like three inches flat and get out under the fence. I have driven all kinds of steel rods into the earth. And she digs holes, I mean like grave-size holes, in my backyard. I have twisted my ankle so many times in these holes mowing the lawn. Well, anyway, for exercise, I took Jeannie for a walk. I like taking Jeannie for a walk. She pulls on me, you know? Like, she's got so much energy. She's practically, she practically pulls my arm out of my socket trying to go. Which, I don't get that. That's another thing, like, with dogs that I don't get. Like, how fucking stupid are they? They're like... <laughs> They're choking themselves constantly. I'm walking her, and I say, "Okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make this one count. We're gonna walk a good distance. Let's take it all the way down to Navarro, and back. That is wow. That's actually a lot. That's probably three miles there and three miles back. Now I know I can do it. You know, I'm not. We're not running. You know, we're taking breaks. We're stopping. We get down to Navarro." And the dog decides that she's not going to walk anymore. But she decides when we are crossing the street. Now, mind you, Navarro and Sam Houston Drive are... This is one of the busiest intersections in the whole city. Okay, so you've got six lanes of traffic going on Navarro. Four lanes of traffic on Sam. All right, so I'm crossing Navarro. That means i got to cross six fucking lanes to get to the other side. And it's... The busiest time of the day, and halfway across the road, she just stops. And I don't mean, like, just stops and gives me eyes. I mean, she fucking falls to the ground and turns upside down and plays roadkill. And the light turns green. And this this dog is, like, really heavy, okay? And it's, like, like, like a, a heavy dog where the weight is spread out through the legs and the thighs and the what. No. So here I am. In the, in the hot sun, on the asphalt, and I'm dragging this fucking 80-pound dog by its throat in Christmas traffic. Not to be mean to the dog, because I'm trying not to block traffic, and I'm thinking, oh my god, here comes the honking, here comes the honking. 
But no, nobody gets mad. Because, you know, it's a dog. Dogs can do whatever the fuck they want, apparently. And I'm like, Jeannie, please, no, please, don't do this to me now, please. Come on. For all I knew, she really was dead. God, here I am, scraping her fat ass across the road. Dragging, dragging, dragging. Finally get to the other side. I called my mom. I said, you gotta, I said, I'm at the, I'm at the corner of Sam and Devera. You gotta come and pick me and the dog up because she won't. As soon as I got to the end of the, as soon as, as soon as we crossed the road and got onto the sidewalk, she got up. I was so mad. I was like, you son of a bitch. You, you, you fucking knew I was going to drag you. Sometimes I think she's like the smartest dog in the world or either the dumbest dog in the world. I think at times she could be a genius. I mean, what better way? She gets everything she wants, and she gets away with murder. But I look in her eyes, and I know she knows exactly what she did. She knows. I listened to my first audiobook. I had never listened to an audiobook. I used to work with a guy back when I worked in propane, and he drove the truck, the bear, the uh, the bobtail. I never drove the truck. I didn't like driving the bobtail. We'd go. I'd ride along, and we'd go and fill up uh, people's tanks. And he always had his earbuds in. And he was always listening to audiobooks. So we'd work like 10-hour days and he'd never talk. He'd be listening to fucking audiobooks. Which I always thought was just such a peculiar thing to do. You know, when you're lifting 110-pound propane tanks, I, I just can't imagine listening to a book being read by someone. Like, I, wanna, I want something that's going to get me, like, physically amped up. Point is, I listened to... Uh, Eyes of the Dragon by Stephen King, not read by Stephen King, but, you know, it's a book by Stephen King. It's my favorite book by Stephen King. If you're not familiar with it, it's the first fantasy book he ever wrote. I've read it so many times. It's that good. Stephen King has always written nothing but horror, and this was, you know, this, this one goes, he, he broke away from the norm of what he usually did, and he wrote a fantasy book, you know, kings and castles and knights and magicians and sorcerers and it's called the eyes of the dragon it's a fantastic book i cannot believe it's never been made into a movie i mean fuck game of thrones and fucking lord of the rings man this book is the shit it's a great great murder mystery and it was pretty cool i got into it i did enjoy having someone read the book to me and then i got to thinking <laughs> oh shit where's he going with this do they have you remember those, let me gather myself here. When I was growing up, my, most of my friends' moms read these dime store novels, these romance novels, you know, like the ones that uh, made, what's his name famous? Um, what's that fucking guy's name? Fabio. They made Fabio famous because they painted him on the cover of like a shitload of these books. These are, they're romance novels. I, when I was in jail a long time ago, I read a lot of them, and they can get pretty nasty. Like, without ever even using any bad words, they can get pretty funky. So, yeah, and they're actually not half bad, you know, if you just give them a chance. It's like Lifetime movies, you know, I could dog on them, but if I start watching one, I, I have to finish it. Guilty pleasure, that's all. Nothing wrong with that. Penis! Get your hot penis! Penis here! Red hot penis. So, I was wondering, you know, are there any of these romance novels in audiobooks? 
I don't know because I didn't look. I'm sure there are some high-class ones. But see, there are publishing companies that churn these motherfuckers out. Just churn them out. They're not... These people that write them, they never become famous. You know, they just... They're, they're good writers. And your story has a specific uh, formula. Girl meets boy. Boy can't have girl. It's usually a kind of like a Romeo and Juliet. You just twist it. You can add. You can make it on a plantation with slaves. You can make it on a on a pirate ship. You can make it on a riverboat gambling boat. You, you know anything. You just make it so that there's a guy who wants a girl, and there's some other motherfucker in the way, and eventually they get together. It's the classic love story, and it works because you don't you want it to end the way you think it's going to end you want them to get together you just need to be a little entertained on the way so you need a writer who's capable of keeping your attention with little anecdotes and and giving the characters depth and that's what these these publishing companies that that they print these books they they have a slew of writers that are good at doing this so they're they're fun little reads and they're not very long but they're they're erotic surprisingly erotic and they're not like i mean they say things but they don't say things i mean they're not using words you would never have to censor them they'd be words you could no they're words that would be able to be spoken over the radio let's put it like that you know his one of the favorite words they use that i've that i've seen consistently is his manhood so you can say him like he unleashed his manhood and uh, what was it? That they, oh my God! The women always used to refer to their vagina as God. I hate the word vagina. Hoo ha, ha ha, hee ha. Trying to think of a neutral word for me to use. Um, anyway, a woman's area in these books would be referred to like as her like sweetness or her sweet spot or some. I, I don't know. It's fucking stupid. But but see, once you replace cock with manhood. Then you can go ahead and you can add things like spewing and squirting and finishing. <laughs> and you, because you've gotten a free pass, you know. As long as you don't say, you just go, we were in the garden and John, oh, he kissed me tenderly. I lay there covered in, no, actually, I guess you can't do that either. Are these on audiobooks? You can buy... These are like a nickel. You can buy them on eBay, like boxes and boxes of them for like five bucks. That's why they're in jail. I think that's really funny. I, I guess I never really thought about this, but does anyone else find it a little bit odd that the state of Texas takes donated books to give to inmates that are all romance novels? Wouldn't you, wouldn't like the last thing you would want to do to a bunch of men locked up together is to encourage their libido you know i don't want to set sail on anybody's fucking mast while i'm in prison I i've never been to prison for the record i've been to county jail a lot but only for traffic violations and i refuse to pay for them so i just sit them out i went to jail for a public intox public intoxication one time i think it was like six or seven years ago and i absolutely refused to pay the fine and I did 88 days in jail. And, uh, cause that was my fault. I had, yeah, I know I, I'm a very strange person, you know, and I, I'm quirky. I have, I'm, I have some 
some eccentric ways about myself, but I went to jail. I had gotten a public intoxication charge and I didn't pay it and I got arrested and I spent 88 days in jail. And that was because in the first week that you're there, they come and they ask you if you would like a lawyer. Well, I said no, because I thought, because I just figured I'm going to go before the judge and I'm going to say, yeah, guilty. Just give me whatever sentence. I didn't understand that when you say no, you're telling them no because you have a lawyer that's coming in to represent you. And when he gets there, they'll fetch you. So you you have to say you want a lawyer because the public defender has to meet with the prosecutor in order for you guys to work out what's going to happen with your sentencing. I didn't know that. I spent an entire month in jail waiting to go before the judge before it finally occurred to me, after everyone I was locked up with had already been to court, that maybe there was something wrong. So I, so when my dumbass finally realized that I needed to say, yes, I would like a lawyer, it took like two weeks to get one. Then they set a court date. And when it was all said and done, I went before the judge. I had done 88 days and he sentenced me to 60. <laughs> so I now have 28 get out of jail free days in credit at the county jail. So I don't know. Ever since I quit drinking, I have no desire to get arrested anymore. I never had a desire to get arrested in the first place, but I'm saying I don't get into any trouble. I kind of like, I mean, that going to jail thing, and that, that I could do a whole show on that. Maybe I will one day, but going to jail for me was not a bad experience. I know that people probably think like, oh, I mean, this isn't prison. This is jail. And yeah, you're going to meet some bad motherfuckers in there. Not the nicest people, and they may they may be ugly to you. There were times when I almost got into fights. There were times when other people got into fights. But the fact of the matter is, man, is that I go into jail and I'm cool and I'm always talking and I'm always trying to make people laugh and people just take to me immediately. In fact, I will quote one of the inmates that stayed with me a long time, two of them actually, they were they were both in the same set, whatever you call it, for the gang. I won't say their names, not like anybody would know them, but two guys... They don't live in, they don't live here anymore. They moved. They were, no, I shouldn't put, I shouldn't air that. They were in a, shit, I, I cannot say the name of it, but they were in a very, very well-known gang in the South. I played spades with them the whole time. Um, they told me, they said, man, before you got here, time used to go so slow. That was like the best compliment of my life, man. Like that, they, they were saying that I was so fun to be around that like days were nothing to them anymore. A huge compliment, and I was always trying to entertain, man. I was always like acting up, acting out, acting from shows and movies, writing funny fucking stories. I, I wrote a whole bunch of porno that was that I where I used like the most incredibly ridiculous words to describe people's sex organs. We all exercised a lot, played a lot of dominoes. I had a lot of money in my commissary, so I had a shitload of, of uh, honey buns. I learned how to make ramen noodle burritos. It was a very cool experience, and people always go, what? And yeah, it was like a summer camp. You know? I learned a lot. Learned how to light a cigarette with a with a socket, with a light socket. Learned how to smoke pot through a toilet. <laughs> you know, useful stuff. I saw a guy take chocolate and peanut butter and, and honey buns and crush them up and all, do all kinds of things, and he made a fucking Reese's, like an entire pan of Reese's brownies. 
It's the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. There was a guy that used to make these crosses. He'd pull threads out of the mattresses, and he'd twirl them all day. And he'd make these crosses, and I mean, they were like nothing I'd ever seen before. The, the talent to make something like that. They were artists. Their art was incredible. Anyway, I, I've gotten off topic because that's something I could talk about a lot, and I will. I'll come back to that on another show. I'll talk about jail. I'll tell you some funny stories about when I was in. But in the meantime, I think I'm going to end this show with what I think audiobooks should sound like if they were published from the cheap romance novels. I uh, just need a name for my novel. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> all right. Lonely Housewife Publishing presents He Rode Me Like He Rode His Horse. Claire was in the barn tending to the horses when Christoph rode into the barn on his stallion. She loved the way he looked, magnificent in his tight riding pants. She could see his manhood tightly against his inner thigh. It was all she thought about some days. As Christoph got down off his horse, he said to her, Hmm, fancy a ride? Claire smiled and said, Yes, but I've got to take the horse out first. <laughs> they both laughed. Claire stared deeply into his eyes. She wanted him, and he knew it. Oh, Claire. Claire. Oh, Christoph. Oh, Christoph, yes. He moved his hand up toward her ample bosom and squeezed. Again and again, she moved her hand down, unzipping his pants, unleashing his twelve-inch purple-headed warrior. She looked in his eyes. Be gentle, he smiled tenderly, as he thrust into a quivering mound of love pudding. I hope you guys have a great Monday, and I will see you on Wednesday morning. Fat guy loves cake at yahoo.com. Love ya.
go with 